0: Welcome to the True True Condos Podcast Podcast. with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto.
1: Hi and welcome back to the show. Today's show I want to talk about Young and Eglinton. It's amazing how many people still do not know what's going on at Young and Eglinton. It's one of the hottest neighborhoods in the city. It's one of the best areas to live in and it's got some of the highest potential, in my opinion, of any neighborhood when it comes to investing in the condo market. I've invested there, many of my clients have invested there, but still I talk to people every week about Young and Eglinton and they still don't know exactly what's going on there and they still don't know why they should consider investing there. Now don't get me wrong, downtown is always going to be the bread and butter of condo investing in Toronto and it's always going to be a great place to be, especially in the core of the city. But there are certain nodes, and there's not very many of them, but there are certain nodes outside of the downtown uh, within the city that share basically the exact same characteristics and the same reasons why we invest in downtown, that being great transit, great infrastructure, um, existing very high real estate prices and potential for future even higher prices is very strong. And just the fact that there's very scarce availability for land. There's a very limited amount of land and therefore the um, the price of that land is very high and it's going to continue to get higher and higher as the city grows and as the city gets denser and more and more people are moving in. So Young and Eglinton, Young and Shepherd, there's a few of these nodes outside of the downtown that um, are Basically, uh, they share those same characteristics and, and uh, fundamentals that the downtown has, and those are great places to invest in for the same reasons as investing in downtown. Now, Young and Eglinton, specifically, of course, uh, the reason why it's so hot right now, why there's so much attention on the, the area, is primarily because of the LRT. So once again, the Crosstown LRT is going in. It's under construction. It's going to be completed in 2020, and it will be underground for most of it, and certainly at Eglinton, Young and Eglinton, it will be underground. So essentially what's being added is a subway to a major cross street in Toronto, and you're going to have a basically another Young and Bloor, another Union Station, another Young and Shepherd. Young and Eglinton is going to be just like that. On top of that, of course, it's a very established area. It's got some of the best schools in Toronto. Some of the best restaurants in Toronto are at Young and Eglinton. And it's just a great place to be for a variety of people, not just young professionals, young and eligible, as it has has been known. That's um, starting to change. And uh, yes, there's a big young uh, professional-type population there. But more and more families are moving into that area is they want to be closer to the schools, which are some of the best in Toronto, and they want to be closer to the action of Yonge Street, and they want to be closer to work. And there's a lot of uh, jobs that are at Yonge and Eglinton, and more and more offices and jobs are coming there in the decade to come. Another interesting thing, I was looking at the resale numbers for some of the buildings, the condo buildings around Yonge and Eglinton, and the numbers are looking very strong once again for 2015. Prices are up. Uh, many buildings. People are always surprised to find out the prices that, that you're getting at Young and Eglinton are higher than a lot of places downtown, and so you're you're seeing six hundred, six hundred and fifty dollars a square foot being achieved in not just a couple but many buildings, uh, the newer condo buildings around Young and Eglinton, and so you can still purchase pre-construction um, property at Young & Eglinton for, you know, $600 a square foot, in some cases under $600 a square foot for something pre-construction today when the resale is selling for over $600 a square foot. It's certainly a great place to invest for that reason alone, and uh, there'll be more information on that for me to come. Uh, But I wanted to uh, bring you this interview today with... uh, Two developers who are active um, at Young and Eglinton, very active, and that's Todd Cowan and Jordan Dermer from Capital Developments. The company used to be known as CD Capital, and they've recently rebranded as Capital Developments. And of course, they are behind the probably the biggest success of any project in Toronto for 2015 so far, and that is Art Shop Condos. Of course, which came out a couple months back, early 2015, they sold over 500 units there. In less than sixty days, it was easily the fastest-selling project of the year. Huge success, um, massive lineups of people, people camping out. It was uh, it was quite a madhouse. People loved that project, and people really got behind it. And so now they're launching a new project, One Fifty Red Path, which is also in this in the same neighborhood, Young and Eglinton, just a couple blocks away from Art Shop, and just a couple blocks away from the corner of Young and Eglinton. And so we talked about that new project, 150 Red Path. We talked about uh, their history, how they partnered up together, and a very interesting story about how they worked in Europe for a number of years before coming back to Canada as developers. And we talked about the type of company and the brand that they are trying to build over the long term, what's their vision for their company, and how they hope to one day be uh, in the same um, spoken in the same terms as uh, as Tridel and Menkes and many of the other top industry leaders. That is their goal, and that's the type of company that they are trying to build. So for all the show notes on this episode and links to the investor package for 150 Redpath and to learn more about capital developments and uh, Todd and Jordan, you can go to truecondos.com forward slash capital, truecondos.com forward slash capital, and you can find all the show notes for this episode. So without any more delay, let's get to the interview here with Todd Cowan and Jordan Dermer of Capital Developments.
0: Welcome to the True True Condos Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto.
1: All right, it's my pleasure to welcome to the show Todd Cowan and Jordan Dermer. They are the co-founders and managing partners for Capital Developments. Guys, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Pleasure, Thanks for having uh, us. Pleasure to be here.
1: Um, why don't we start by talking about the rebranding, uh, Capital Developments now. Um, you have formerly CD Capital. What, what's, the, uh, what's the story behind the, the new name and the new brand?
2: I think that um, we wanted to create a brand which would, would resonate more with the development community. And we wanted to further explain that not only uh, is CD Capital it comes from a very strong financial and institutional background, but at the same time, we have very deep uh, experience in development. And we wanted to make sure that people understood that We're really a development company with strong financial backing and not a financial, and so we felt that taking CD and expanding it to capital developments was a way for us to build a longer-term brand, which is more on key with what we
1: do. Speaking of longer-term, what are your longer-term plans for Toronto? What's your vision for this company and for what you're doing here? Our longer term plans for Toronto is to build a great development company
2: that's built on uh, relationships. And the new branding and, and the, um, the whole philosophy behind, CDK, behind capital developments is relationships matter and people matter. And it's through great relationships um, that lead to great developments. And, It's not enough just to, you know, buy a site and hire an architect and just do another condo building or an office building, but it's about working with great people uh, who have integrity and share the same vision we have to build projects which we're going to be proud of and that the city will be proud of long term. And so we're really trying to create a much more uh, stronger sense of quality and integrity sustainability of the projects. Jordan, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, and just on a related note, sort of my next question is you've sort of tying into it, but maybe Jordan, you could speak to this is what are you guys most passionate about? Like what what really makes you tick? What what gets you excited about development and about uh, building condo buildings? I would say we're most passionate about making
0: contributions, meaningful contributions to cities. And I think an example of that was what we did with Carl Lagerfeld and the art shop as well as the actual design of the physical building. And that we felt it was our obligation to do something really meaningful in a node that's being rejuvenated in a massive way with public transportation, retail, office, about 10,000 new residents moving in there over the next five to seven years. So that is passion for us. As Todd also mentioned, good relationships is passion for us. And for us, when we work on projects, we like to enjoy the people we work with on these projects, both on the investor side and on the consultant side. As you well know, the platinum agents, how we treat them and so on. It's, it's a combination of relationships, uh, location, uh, design, international flair, uh, all those components I think is for us what makes it
1: very passionate. Um, why don't you give us a bit of your background, how you guys found each other, how you started working together. Um, I know you've got a lot of history together in Eastern Europe, um, and then you came over back to, back to Canada. So maybe give us a, I know your timing is, is a little bit tight for the interview today, but just a bit of a backstory on how you guys partnered up and uh, how, you, how you landed back here in Toronto.
2: Sure. So we, we both worked um, at a company called Trizec or Trizac Properties, or Trizac it had various names over the years, which was a, a Bronfman uh, company, and you know, in the early to mid-90s, Jordan and I both joined that company here in Canada, uh, which company was taken over ultimately by Peter Monk, who you know, came from the gold industry. He saw a great opportunity in depressed property values globally. And so he saw a cyclical play, bought Trizek, and very quickly realized that there was a great opportunity in uh, Central and Eastern Europe, which is a market of about 500 million people, which for many, many years basically had a blanket over it. And, and there was no uh, new development that had taken place in that part of the world. Uh, but there was a huge opportunity. As the Berlin Wall had come down, those markets were opening up to the West. The, the EU was expanding its borders to try and bring in a lot of those countries. Within the EU, there was a lot of funds flowing into uh, Central and Eastern Europe uh, to help them with their infrastructure, with their governance, with their banking system. And so he asked us to uh, go and uh, relocate to, to Europe and establish a development company um, on his behalf uh, under the name of Trigranite. And so Jordan and I, uh, Jordan was in Montreal, I was in Toronto, and we both moved there and spent uh, 10 years of our life uh, founding, establishing, and building up a development company which was focused on building very large mixed-use projects in the capital cities uh, throughout Central and Eastern Europe. You know, when those cities include Budapest, they include Prague, they include Bratislava, they include Warsaw, Bucharest, that whole region. about 500 million people. Through that experience, Jordan and I, uh, we worked together uh, for close to 10 years. Uh, We had a great friendship. Uh, We had a great business working relationship. And after the company that we had uh, built up was ultimately sold, or a portion of the business was sold for about $2.5 billion in uh, mid-2006, we. used that as an opportunity for the two of us to uh, relocate back to Canada with our wives. And uh, we had a great working experience together, so we knew what it would be like to be partners. So we decided let's, let's continue on and, and set up CD Capital, which ultimately is now Capital Developments.
0: Yeah, and I would just add to that, I mean, Todd, what, what, what I really like about Todd is he's extremely humble and hardworking guy, and what he failed to tell you through that whole, um, response to your question was he was actually the chief executive officer of this company for the last four years that ended up selling for two and a half billion um i was the chief developer. just a officer. minor accomplishment just a minor accomplishment where he ran a business <laughs> in 12 countries with with probably 500 employees uh where at any given time there could have been eight or nine developments uh under construction and um so with with that you know experience that we both uh, we are able to come back here with confidence and uh, continue doing business with some of the partners that we were in business with over there, uh, pooling some of our own uh, capital, uh, hiring some young, strong talent, and building up a, a development company which we one day hope will be uh, similar to what Trisac was
1: in Canada at its uh, time when it sold to Brookfield. Um- uh, developing property in Europe, especially Eastern Europe, in the '90s uh, has got to be a lot of interesting stories. What uh, what are what are there similarities between doing what you're doing in Europe and here? Are there differences? Like, what are the main things that sort of uh, stand out for you as being similar, and and main things as being different?
2: I, I think what's similar, what's interesting actually, is that Toronto is you know has gone through a property boom. You know, for for I don't know the last ten, fifteen years, um, which is very similar to what actually happened in Central and Eastern Europe uh, from you know the early to mid nineties until you know two thousand six, two thousand seven, um, where those markets went through, were going through a major boom, and there was a lot of influence. Uh, in in Eastern Europe, there was in Central Europe, there was a lot of influence from. People moving to that part of the world, and capital flowing into that part of the world, um, and together that created you know quite a uh, you know a very exciting development opportunity. And and here in Toronto, the influence of people that are moving to the city from outside the country, and even capital that's coming that's come to Canada, uh, it's quite similar. Um, so from that perspective, very uh, very similar. Um, What's different is that when we were developing in in Central Europe, we were really, as a developer, we were really welcome with open arms because everyone in that part of the world was really looking for prosperity. They were looking for growth. And what we were bringing were jobs. We were bringing capital. We were bringing opportunity. We were bringing retail. Um, We were bringing a... Massive investment we were bringing a new quality of life for them and so Developers were really embraced by the city as as being you know a real drive economic driver Where in Toronto? um, It's mixed you know and sometimes I think this the um, The city and 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 uh, the communities are, are not as supportive uh, of development uh, as perhaps they should be, given the fact that you know the development industry is really a major driver to the economy in Toronto. And it's improving uh, the quality of life and the street life and the parks and the funding of roads and infrastructure. A lot of that is, is being funded by the fees and the capital that's flowing into the uh, building industry.
1: What about you, Jordan? Anything that you miss about uh, being a developer in Eastern Europe now that you're here in Toronto for the past few years?
0: Based on what Todd was saying about the, um, the welcome arms, I think you, you, we would fly into a city with, with our chairman at the time, let's say between 1996 and 2006, where you could come and you could sit down with a mayor um, or a group of city councillors. and identify a site where you feel you could invest, and put 100 million euros into a brand new shopping centre, Yorkdale, Reaton Centre style, for example, and the mayor's eyes would light up and say, what would be your timing, how fast can you do this, who would you hire as your architect, and ask a lot of questions, get a proposal from you, and through city council and by his own you know, power that vested in him, he could actually you know, sell you the site, there may be a form of tender, there may be not, but you, you don't see that here. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of uh, brands like Tridel and Menkes and others that are massive and very qualified, very well respected. And so uh, you know we aspire to being one of those brands one day, both on the residential side and then the office and retail side as well. But definitely a stiffer competition on this uh, side of the pond. <laughs>
1: Uh, I'm sure you guys have lots of stories, which we'll get to another time, but um, let's, let's jump ahead to present day or the last, this year at least, Art Shop Condos was a massive success. Um, I believe the building is, you know, 80, 85% sold, something like that now already, which is a tremendous achievement, one of the hottest selling projects of the year. What do you think was the key driver to the success there?
2: I think the I think the key driver to the success was um, a number of factors. I think it was the combination of one, the location being on Young Street, very close to you know the public uh, transit system and the, the big investments that are happening there. I think it was the, the brand recognition of the art shop, um, which has been around for. For 80 years, and I just think that everyone knew this about this project. They had been anticipating it for a long time, so there was a lot of pent up uh, interest. And I think we brought in. I think we did a great design. I think we tried to, to do a design uh, uh, a design for this building which is different. Um, it it's aesthetically pleasing. It's not just a, a a typical glass building. So it has has a lot of articulation in the facade, uh, a lot of green space. And then to top it off, I think bringing that sense of, of luxury and design and style by having the influence of Karl Lagerfeld, which is really designing these two beautiful lobbies. I think really the combination of those you know four or five key factors is what's made this such a great success.
1: Uh, it's great. Um, jumping ahead to today, 150 Red Path. I know you guys are very excited about this one. This is sort of your your third and, I don't know, perhaps final chapter at Young and Eglinton, maybe for now. But uh, what can you tell us about 150 Red Path? Um, what do investors especially need to know about this building? And why should... An investor look at purchasing a unit here at 150 Redpath. In your opinion,
2: let me. I'll, I'll, I'll talk just briefly about the, the philosophy, and maybe Jordan wants to talk a bit more about some of the, the details. But not only, you know, Jordan mentioned earlier. Not only do we, as a developer, do we feel a responsibility to create buildings which are, you know, which are aesthetically pleasing, and you know, of great quality and sustain, and you know, will will sustain themselves for the long term. But we also feel that it's not enough just to, you know, build a typical condo building. But I think you need to understand um, the changing dynamics and living habits of people. And and you know, we've come up with the you know this concept of of really sort of a custom customized living. And trying to recognize the fact that people don't just live, you know, nine to five. People, you know, very few people, you know, drive their car, drive their car and are commuting to work their People are are, are remote, working remotely. Um, They're working at at, at very differing hours. And they're, you know, using the building that they're living in really as as an extension of, of, of their home. And so we've tried to really create this 24-hour, always-on lifestyle, um, which is meant to demonstrate you know, and, and um, exemplify and appeal to the changing lifestyles of the people that are living in, in the urban fabric of Toronto.
0: Just a few things to add to that. Uh, one um, fact that maybe people don't talk about often is there are 14 schools within a five-minute drive and probably maximum a 15-minute walk from 150 Redpath to choose from for residents, for investors who have tenants in their units. The other thing I would say is downtown Toronto, I believe, is overrated in that at night, at at, at night the, 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 the core empties out. Unless there's a hockey game or a basketball game Granted that there's, there's a surge, but at the end of the day, come six o'clock, five o'clock, people get on the subway and where do they go? They go north, east or west and they're gone. And so when you go down to the, you know, Bay Adelaide Center um, at eight o'clock at night, what's going on there? You come up to Young and Eglinton and you see what's going on in terms of restaurants, shops. I mean, I'll just looking at the brochure here. Loblaws, Indigo, LCBO, Roots, Lululemon, Restoration Hardware, Sporting Life, American Apparel, Gap, Urban Outfitters, and the list goes on. And that's an out, a lot of people don't like to be cooped up in a mall, like a Yorkdale or Eaton Centre. You know, air tends to be stifling. Here you can walk outdoors from 150 Redpath, five-minute walk to any of these shops along uh, Young Street, in addition to the numerous restaurants, bars, nightlife. It's happening up there at 8 o'clock during the week and weekends. So Todd and I live in the area, we're biased, but that's where we would go for,
1: for a meal or a shop with our kids on a weekend, stroll up and down there. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's certainly got a wide appeal from, uh, for families, for young professionals. It's, you've got the office buildings, you have a, obviously a, a huge residential base. And, uh, historical residential base lots of people living there and more and more people coming in with the new buildings mixed in with like you said the restaurants the retail just the just the you get the vibrancy of young street without the sketchiness of downtown young street you could say (laughs) and for the end user
0: you've got a crosstown stop at mount pleasant and eglinton at your doorstep you've got a brand new loblaws going to the madison project twin towers which is sold out now which literally is a three-minute walk from your front door, mm-hmm. which is unheard of. And then, like I said earlier, the 14 schools choose from which one you want, from yeah. public to private, from junior school to senior school. They have it all, and some of them some of the most beautifully renovated public schools in the entire GTA,
1: right mm-hmm. on uh, Roehampton. Where do you see Young and Eglinton ten years from now? Uh, everyone talks about the LRT, but what, what's your? You guys are making a huge contribution to the neighborhood with these three buildings, one hundred and fifty Red Path, one hundred and fifty-five Red Path, and Art Shop. Where, where do you see this neighborhood ten years out? Like, uh, what do you what do you envision here?
2: I, I see that this is a neighborhood where the population is set to double and over that time horizon. Where you know we forecast that there's 20 to 25,000 people which will move into the various uh, buildings which are being built within a short walk and i think you're going to see you're going to see that that area it becomes one of the, one of the most important urban nodes for retail where today it, it is important but if you, even if you look at rent levels compared to Bloor Street compared to Queen Street West, I think you're going to see that Young and Eggman is, is really on an upward trajectory in value. I think you're going to see a lot of positive turnover where the successful local stores will continue to operate and restaurants will continue to operate, but you're also going to see more and more and more influx of major successful retailers and service providers which Will ultimately fill in the voids which currently exist on Young Street. So I, I see that it just is going to become stronger and more prosperous neighborhood. You know, 10, ten years from with a population that can really sustain a very high quality and level of detail and service.
0: And I would just add to that, I feel that Young and Eddington will be, without question, the new midtown. And if you look at the values in Yorkville, at, at its peak, units were selling for 2000 2500 if you look at extremities like penthouses in the Four Seasons, per square foot. And when you think about this project, selling in and around the $630 average per square foot price point, that's real value compared to Yorkville, and other areas in this city.
2: Yeah, exactly. And, and what, why why is Yorkville attractive? You know that, that. Why does it have that cachet, and why is it attract You know, such high property value. You know, partly because you know it has the, the Bloor, Bloor Street subway line, and the Young Street line. You know, Young and Edmonton is getting this cross LRT partly because it has, you know, a very high level of, uh, of retail, lifestyle, restaurants, you know, which, which, which adds to the value of living in. And so, uh, you know, to your point, Jordan, that I see that you know, fast forward 10 years from now, I think you're going to see a massive increase in the value of real estate in Eglinton because, you know, you actually have all of, all of those restaurants and services will be there. But on top of that, you've got these amazing schools, you know, which are all around, and you have uh, a tremendous amount of uh, parks and green space and public spaces, um, because Young and Egenton's an established neighborhood. Unlike, you know, west and east and south of the core, which are, let's call them new neighborhoods, up and coming neighborhoods, interesting, but they don't have the infrastructure. So it's gonna take them years, you know, to fund and create the schools and the parks and all of those things which have existed for, you know, 50 years at Young and
0: Eglinton. And if you really break it down, I'm sure there are some people that would take me on happily in, in this debate, but what does Yorkville have that Young and Eglinton doesn't have? Now, granted, there's some high-end boutiques on Bloor Street, but are people really looking for that when they're choosing a condo? You're a five-minute subway uh, ride to young and Bloor where you can get off and stroll beautifully up and down Bloor street and enjoy a shop a, a meal or what have you but at a, you know a third or a half of the price
1: you can buy at young and eglinton and everything is at your doorstep you still have the best restaurants in toronto right okay. there best shopping like you said best schools are are actually much better schools are at eglinton than at Bloor. much better so
2: i almost it almost sounds like what, another way to put what we're saying is there's going to be kind of a leveling of the playing field, where right now there's really a very wide you know, divide or differentiation between Yorkville and other important neighborhoods. And I think that there's going to be a leveling of the playing field where I think you're going to see a much uh, property value.
1: That's great. Um, thank you guys so much for your time today. Anything else you want to add about uh, Redpath or about... Um Capital developments or anything else you'd like, especially, especially investors to know about, um, about your company, about what you're building here?
0: Well, for us, the most important thing, and I think if you go on our website, you'll see is it's all about relationships and the people that we work with and how much they matter to us. And they're no different from the way we treat the Platinum or, or VIP or any agents that bring clients and investors through our door to the end user or the renter or the uh, investor buying a unit in our building. We're very proud people and we have a reputation to withhold. And we feel that the only way to accomplish that is to deliver on what we promise and to build projects that not only are we proud of, but people are proud to live in and proud to call their home. And we will continue to do that. So it's not about squeezing out the last dollar or the last few dollars out of a project profit i think you'll see that when you look at our amenity packages there's not many people and developers that are doing you know outdoor rooftop pools at tremendous cost and amenities of that nature but we're doing it because we believe in it and we believe that that's what people want to live in we don't want to just deliver little boxes in the sky where when people walk out their door and lock it there's nowhere to go nothing to do we want to deliver value uh, enjoyment live work play environments and we feel strongly about that
1: Great. Um, if people want to get a hold of you guys or hold a more information about capital developments, what's the best place to do that?
0: Our website. Our contacts are there. Yeah. Our, our LinkedIn contacts, our phone numbers, uh, emails. Feel free to contact us anytime.
1: Great. Okay. We'll definitely include a link to that on the show notes for this episode. Jordan and Todd, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, hopefully we'll get you on the show again soon. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Okay, there you have it. That was my interview with Todd Cowan and Jordan Dermer, once again, from Capital Developments. I hope you enjoyed that. And for all the show notes on this episode, just head on over to truecondos.com forward slash capital, and you can get the investor package for 150 Redpath, and you can get links to uh, Jordan and Todd's uh, LinkedIn profiles, as well as the Capital Developments website and more. So head on over to truecondos.com slash capital to check that out. Thank you very much once again for listening, for supporting the show. Thank you for your reviews and kind words that I'm receiving every single week for this show. And once again, until next time, I hope you have a great week. Talk soon.